You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast, Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis. I'm back hosting after two weeks away, where I assume I didn't really miss much uh, off the, on the field for Nottingham Forest. Uh, joined today by Reds legend Gary Bertels. First of all, Gary, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. Yeah, good. Thank you, Matt. And also returning to the podcast as a regular guest is Force Garibaldi's Greg Mitchell. Greg, hello, are you well? Yeah, good, thanks. Happy yeah. uh, not happy Nottinghamshire Day to you both. Is that what it is? I saw yeah. this somewhere. Is it not? <laughs> I just <Nottingham>? saw it. <laughs> just saw it and thought I should mention it. Oh well. Happy happy Nottinghamshire Day. Hopefully not cricket win tonight. That'd boost us a bit. Yeah. Not well not scared had a good win to start the season, so that's uh, one bonus. <laughs> Well, yes. Um, one of the reasons I was off for two weeks, second week was a holiday. The first week I had some surgery and it was very painful. But I suspect, Greg, it wasn't as painful as watching uh, Forrest at Stoke on uh, Saturday. I think we might as well start there before we branch out into Chris Hewton and uh, everything that's going wrong, because this will probably inform a lot of the conversation. I'll talk about Wolves as well in a sec. Um, Greg, talk to us about Stoke and the whole experience of how Forrest went about it and what you made of it coming out of the ground. Um, well, you know, like after the excitement of the eight, waiting for the eighteen months and waiting for games to come, I uh, I got to the ground. I drove, so I hadn't drank. Uh, got amazing seats, like such a great view. And it's the first game in a long while where I, I actually sat and just watched it, and uh, it, it just it wasn't good. The first half, I thought, oh, maybe we could scrape a draw. Never looked like going anywhere forward. Um, but then it just fell apart second half. And like every time when we go a goal down, nothing seems to happen. There's no there's no drive to try and get the winner. It's like we're always trying to protect the 1-0 loss. And it just isn't good enough. It, it really isn't. And, you know, toxic. it was just toxic in the stands. You know, you wait so long for it. And it's it's not a very nice experience at all at the minute. Why um, do you protect a one nil loss? I, I that's, <laughs> that's nothing to protect. There's nothing yeah, there exactly. to protect. That's like the only way I can sum it up. Yeah. It's just just strange way of playing that we don't go positive with the substitutions. And if we bring a positive sub on, we take one of the only positives off the pitch. And that's yeah. that's been the last two games, Blackburn and Stoke. And it is so frustrating, and it gives the fans the excuse to get on the back straight well, away. Go and back I feel like a lot of go back to Bournemouth t- playing against ten men did exactly yeah. the same. Taylor mm. grabbing, you know, the switch was there. Keep them both on. You give mm. half an hour. We said this before to absolutely go for it, and the fans will accept that if you still lose. But if they're seeing like for like and not going for it, they're just going to get more and more agitated. And like you said, it, it can become toxic. And I think that's what's frustrating everybody. I feel like Chris Hewton has a system. He knows it could work eventually. He's probably not willing to change it. But what he's not looking at is, even if he thinks it'll work in five, ten games, he's not going to be here in five, ten games, especially if it's like that. And he needs to change things and do something different or he's not going to be in a job and he won't be in a job next week. Mm. Um, it, it ju- It's just... It's sad. Like I say, we've waited so long for it. The players have waited so long for those full stadiums. You get sick of seeing how we've got the best home support, the best away support, this, that, the other. And, you know, we've just had zero back and zero points back. But Stoke was no different, no different to Bournemouth, Blackburn. Uh, 
And yeah, I'm worried. I really am worried now. We've, we've at the wrong end of the table, and we're not suddenly going to start shooting up it, playing like this. Um, we were streaming on Facebook, and one of the first comments was, "Did they find your wallet? Is that aimed at you, Greg? Did you lose your wallet at Stoke?" No. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I lost my wallet, but it's from a random stranger. <laughs> but, so I, I don't know. I've never owned a wallet, so it's definitely not mine. <laughs> owned a wallet? Never. No. Where do you carry your huge amounts of money? I don't. I just put it in the trouser pocket. Simple as. You're going to get pickpocketed no, now. Now you've said this. Nobody's going to try and pinch your money out of your trouser pocket. A wallet, yes, but not your money. It'll have to be a good pinch, that would. Oh, okay. Well, I found my wallet, but now I might as well not bother to just, just find the bank cards. Right, let's get back to talking about Forest. Um, what we were talking about is kind of, because I went to the Wolves game, God knows why. I must have been mad from you know what people were telling me. But some friends from back home are Wolves fans, so I agreed to go with them. Uh, and while I enjoyed catching up with old friends, the football, I suppose you take the game in isolation, don't you? Because it was kids again. It was men against boys in a lot of senses. Wolves were really good. But Forrest strung out six across the, the edge of the box. It, you know, the wingers were, were fullbacks, the fullbacks were centre-halves, and they didn't have the ball. And I can sort of see why they did it because Wolves are that much better. But when it went to 2-0, because the goals came in quick succession, then I think you have to take the handbrake off a bit, don't you? And not go like for like. The subs were like for like. Taylor came on for grabbing. Like we were saying before we recorded, I said this to Gary, I'd have brought Mighton on as a striker as well and done something different. He did change formation to 6-3-1 for a lot of it, but in theory it was 4-3-3. But it just didn't, didn't work. I think you want... I think, fan, you know, you lost the game 4-0. I think fans would have been a lot happier if you'd had a go and lost the game 5-0 or 6-0. I mean, I'll, I'm going to tee Gary up for his stats now. He has got he loves a stat, and he's no, got some from last stat. night. You know, I hate stats. I'm, I'm the worst. You bring a lot stats. of stats for someone who doesn't no, love only, stats. No, only the ones that matter. That's is the ones that Sky put up that I've mentioned. We're the work in the bottom two or three of every forward, you know, shots, shots on target, uh, second or third lowest scorers, all that, that I said last time. But I just looked at games last night. I looked at Barrow v Villa, which is a total mismatch. Villa win 6-0, but Barrow still had six shots and two on target. Huddersfield played Everton. Everton won 2-1. Huddersfield had 10 shots and four on target. Leeds beat Crew 4-1. Crew had three, none on target, but they still had three shots. Morecambe, here's the one, beat Preston, lost 4-2. But Morecambe had 16 shots and five on target. Stoke Doncaster. Stoke won 2-0. Uh, Doncaster, three shots, one on target. Swansea, Plymouth, you know, 4-1 to Swansea. Plymouth had eight shots and two on target. Brentford, Forest Green, 3-1 to Brentford. Forest Green had nine shots, one on target. Cardiff, Brighton, Brighton won 2-0. Cardiff, 13 shots, four on target. QPR, Oxford, 2-0 uh, QPR. Oxford, nine shots, one on target. I mean, that just tells you that it is possible if you do it right. Forrest was, mm. you know, not on target for, is it the third game in the in a, in a row? And we go back to last season. We, we've said it again and again. He's got the defence perfectly well. We've got, we did really well, one of the top defences. But again, the worst thing was, we've already said about shots on target, touches in opposition's box and all things like that. And you think, right, got to work on that this season. Got to prepare for something better going forward because the back's okay. We've still got Joe Worrell. McKenna's there. And still, no change. Like for like for me is one of the worst things you can do. If you're losing games, why go like for like? You're expecting the, the one man who replaces the striker to come on and change the game on its head. 
two could change the game on its head because all of a sudden defenders are thinking, all right, well, I was only marking one before. Now I've got two, you know, and they could switch off. But we don't. I always quote Norwich as well. I did them a lot when they were in the Premier League last time. And he did exactly the same, the manager. If they were losing, he'd take the striker off and replace him with a striker. So, you know, it's, it's just crazy. The game has evolved. I said that last time. In the last three, three or so years, it has evolved in most leagues. And you have to adapt to that, you know, evolution. And I just don't think Forrest are, are changing to that, that tune at the moment. Um, before we pick up on that, there's one other thing I want to say about the Wolves game. Uh, I thought the young lads did emerge a lot of credit. They've had a very young back four and they did make a couple of er- errors. And I, th- I think it probably showed you can't throw some of them into the first team, but they did well. And I thought Finn Back looks a real find. I think he's going to be a big star if they uh, blood him in the right way. I think he looks really good. And I thought um, Jaden Richardson looks a good athlete and Fauna shows a lot of potential. So it wasn't a total dud for Forrest in that sense. And I think we'll talk... I'll bring us on to the derby and who starts in goal, but I thought Horvath looked really good as well. So, yes, it was miserable, but there was something to take from the game on the fringes looking forwards for Forrest. Um, so, from what you were saying then, Gary and Greg, uh, in fact, I'll ask you, Greg, first. Do you think, because Lamucci got sacked after four games last season, do you think Hewton, uh, as much as we're willing him to succeed, and I'm certainly willing him to succeed because he's a really nice guy, but is he probably a bit fortunate to still be in a job as, as it stands going into this Derby game? Uh, yes. And, you know, even though I, I desperately don't want to sack another manager, it goes into last season and it's like, you know, two wins in 18 or 19 now, if we include last night. Um, not not won a league game in something like 10. Uh, the stats speak for themselves. If Forrest wanted to get rid of him, I'm certain they would do. It seems with this regime, they wait till they've got someone in place to to get rid of the manager. So whether they're just, you know, ironing all that out and waiting for that to happen or if they're giving him Derby. But my issue is that we beat Derby, which, God, we've got to. Um, does it give him a stay of execution? Does this just like drag out a bit longer or will it hopefully be the kickstart we needed? Because I'm sure the players are getting frustrated. Those midfield players must be absolutely, you know, they're just sideward passes, backward passes, slowing the game down rather than getting it forward and then leaving it for the defenders to lump it up, hope to get on top. Like, that can't continue. Whether that's going to be like the long-term game plan with him, surely the owners are looking at that thinking, this isn't what we signed up for. So mm. I, I just think they would be well within their rights to try something else now. You've often referenced the 1980 European Cup final, Gaz, of having to play up front on your own and how hard that was. I mean, I do have sympathy for Graben and, and Taylor now because from a striker's point of view, you've done it. I mean, you did that in one game at the very highest elite level, but to do that for 10 games in a row or 20 games in a row, do you have some sympathy for, for Taylor and Graben doing it week in, week out? Of course I do, because if you play up front by yourself, you'd be holding on people behind you. And look, I, I had some great players behind me in that game. Um, we were under pressure for 90 minutes. Uh, how we won the game, I don't know. Um, but, you know, we, we did win the game. And I, I look at, I, I did Leicester uh, Wolves the first game of the season. Um, and Jamie Vardy, not first game of the season, the other week, last week, Jamie Vardy was up front by himself. But he gets support from Madison. You know, he gets support from, you know, Perez, people like that in midfield. They're around him. Uh, Harvey Barnes, you know, they're around him all the time. 
uh, and he 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 goes when he thinks he needs he needs to go. His movement's good when he thinks he, it has to be done. And when you're at the higher level, that happens. It's it's a little bit easier. But I watched uh, West Ham versus Leicester the other day, and West Ham nullified Leicester in that respect, and nullified Jamie Vardy. They wouldn't let the midfield players settle and play it through. So it can become difficult even at the Premier League level. Um, it's a thankless task sometimes, but you, you cannot play one up front if you're defending so deep because it's not fair on that one striker. Because try as you like, you're fit as fiddlers at this level now. You try and get 60 yards to join in with a striker on a regular basis because you're sitting back as a defence, you just can't do it. It's impossible to keep making up that ground to try and support one player. And while you're defending deep and trying to hang on maybe to things, you drop deeper and that front man becomes more isolated. And when it does come out, it's coming straight back and putting more pressure on the defence again. You know, the one man can't do it. He can't hold it up because try as he likes, he's not getting the support he needs quick enough. And like I said, the, the, the game, how quickly it's evolved, I think, in even three last two, three years, you've seen the teams that have gone into the Premier League you know, the Leeds, the West Broms, the Sheffield Uniteds, you know, have all played it a diff totally different way, an athletic way, a very quick, you know, counter-attacking, they mix it up. We're predictable at the moment. Everybody knows how we're going to play. And they can set up accordingly. And they do set up accordingly. They they don't see that we they have to do a great deal, maybe to beat us, you know, just by the odd goal. Because, you know, we won't come out. We won't take, you know, that many chances. Garner coming in, hopefully we'll change that a little bit um, because we, we all know about his creativity. But it's it's just the maybe lack of imagination when we're losing games and we put substitutes on where you think, right, he's going to put two up front here. And he doesn't. It's just one up front and same old, same old. It's You know, the predictability is what's causing us the problems, I think. If I give a kind of a case in mitigation and you can kind of rebuff it if you want, Greg, I mean, I suppose you could say there's been a lack of early signings and a kind of a lack of signings in general. So he hasn't got the players that he wanted in early enough to work with them. I think Zinkenagel came in and looks really good and shows that if you get good players in, it does make a big difference. So there's that. Obviously, there's injuries to Joe Worrell. I don't think Forrest would lost as many games they have with Worrell in the team. And the fullbacks. Uh, the fullback's kind of essential now to getting play, getting up the pitch and the way teams want to play. And I assume the way Chris Hutton wants to play is getting fullbacks high at the pitch. And he's not really had any fullbacks he really wanted. I'm not sure he is 100% convinced by Gabriel. They seem to be trying to get a right back all summer. And then obviously Bree Samba's form is probably the other one. He's not been the keeper that he was. And Figueredo's not been the player that he was when he first came. So how much stock as you take in that, Greg? Do you kind of have any sympathies for the manager when you kind of take that case on board? I do, but we are in a lot better position than, you know, a lot of the other teams in the championship. We have got a stronger squad still than a lot of the teams in the championship. And, you know, we've got these players who come through the academy that we get saved by every year, whether we sell them on and get some money or like the likes of Finn Back, which he's been thrown in probably half a season too early and he's done a fantastic job. And the fans usually give the academy players a bit more leeway and he's been superb. I'm so happy for him. Um, but 
Chris Hewton, you know, he knows the deal when he signs up for Forest. He's got a great club here and a brilliant opportunity, but it, it's just frustrating, like I keep saying. Um, we could have made more signings, but then you read stories about how much the owners are having to put in each month. It sounds like, you know, it could be millions and you think we can't just keep blindly signing players or you ended up with, you know, is it one of them's on 40 grand a week, not even in the squad for another year or so and it's crippling us. So behind the scenes, we've had to try something new um, and this is it and we need a manager that can deal with that squad and get something out of them because we're in serious trouble as it stands. I suppose... Gary, there's probably in. Is there an onus on a manager? I mean, you can never compare Brian, any other Forest manager to Brian Clough. Yeah, but course. I suppose he was the man who got the most out of, you know, the tools that he had available to him. And I suppose it's the case that Chris Hewton needs to get more out of these players and they're underperforming. Like Greg says, when you look at the Forest squad now compared to Derby and without due, no disrespect, Coventry and Peterborough and teams like that, Forest should be doing better, I suppose, shouldn't they? You can add a few more to that. You look how well Luton have been doing. Coventry, Peterborough, Barnsley, Barnsley. I mean, mm. they're, they're punching so far above the weight. It's ridiculous. And all those clubs uh, have got no resources like Nottingham Forest. So they're doing something right, obviously. And, you know, Nottingham Forest, we're not doing things right, as we should be, because there's a huge disparity in the way things are going. And you have to admire the way the, the other clubs are doing it, because, you know... To see all those clubs above us, it, it just really rankles because, you know, taking nothing away from them, we should be competing at least on the same level or above that level. Um, we're just not at the moment. And talk about signings. Last season, things were going bad for the most of the season. And then you think, well, let's be looking out for next season, for signings. Even at that stage, you know, I, I thought the list would have been made and, you know, you had your, your players that you wanted on your A-list. If you couldn't get them, you go to your B-list and all that. And it's preparation, you know, fail to, fail to prepare, prepare to fail sort of thing. And I think preparation is paramount for everything in professional football. You know, your fitness levels, everything. Everything's jumped up another uh, level, you know, since I was playing. You know, the fitness levels, everything has, has stepped up. And the game steps up. And, the fit, you know, the... Um, you see the, the different different levels from different teams in that league at the moment. And our level is just so far away from other people's. And people say, well, we've only lost games by the odd goal. It, does it matter you've only lost games by the odd goal? Maybe in those games, if we'd have been a bit more positive, we could have won those games by the odd goal. But you cannot now hang on to a 1-0 lead. If you try and do that at any level... You know the opposition will will just lay into you. You saw that Coventry, the opening game of the season, and it, it, that has got to change. You know, if that doesn't change, we're just going to be stuck in that same old rut all season again. Mm. I suppose the thing Forrest would say is that they're going for players that other teams want, and it's hard to get deals over the line. You have to be like Garner's a case in point. You have to be patient to get him, and that's a great signing. And they had to wait for Watford to move to get Zinkenagel. But it does leave them in a bit of a hole. And potentially, Greg, we were talking, uh, was it last night? I don't know, about Brennan Johnson and the chances that he goes. Brentford is relentless, but they won't pay this £10 million asking price. 
what would you do now, Greg, with Johnson? Because uh, it's so late in the window, and I was saying I'd keep him now, um, even if he doesn't sign a contract, because teams are going to see Forrest coming with 10 million quid in their pocket, and they already can't mm. get deals over the line. So what would you do with Johnson and Worrell by the same token? I, a month ago, we had to keep both of them, and it, it's got to that desperation point now where I feel like the only way, or one of the only ways we potentially get out this rut is sell one of them. Um, we seem to be going for players and value them way lower than they're worth. Uh, maybe we get this money in for Johnson, which would be such a shame. You know, academy player again, son of one of the great players of my generation, really. Like, I'd have loved to see him continue, but it really does seem now we're thinking, God, how can we do this? And selling him might be the only option. It does worry me that if it is going to happen, it's going to be so late in the window. Do we get a chance to move on some of this money for someone else. But I speak to my Brentford uh, friend this morning and he was saying that potentially we could be looking at one or two of their players. Uh, so there may be some kind of deal in that and that could be an option. But, you know, as it stands now and as, as the way our squad is, I think we have to sell him as long as we get the money and as long as we can use that money. Mm. I'll tell you what, Greg, no matter what we do, no matter who we sell, doesn't matter what has to change is the system. Yeah, yeah. You can play the system. Great. You can put bring anybody in yeah. you like, but if you keep playing the same system, you're going to get the same results. Mm. You know, because mm. two midfield players defensively against some teams, yeah, quite agree. But we started like that against Coventry. You know, no disrespect, playing two midfield players who are defensive minded, and if you continue to do that, things aren't going to change. And it's just so frustrating. I, I don't see why people can't see that. You know, that that needs to change. Mm -hmm. Because what's not working at the moment is obvious. Mm. And again, I hate sitting here saying things like that because I'm desperate as an ex-Forest player, as a Nottingham boy, to see my football club progress and start getting better and better and start challenging to get in the Premier League because it's not happened that one season where we just missed out, yeah. But, you know, I think we're a, a bit fortunate that season at certain points. And it's just horrible to have to keep being doom and gloom merchants about it. But you have to look at it and you have to be honest. Mm. No point me sat here with Forest fans listening and watching and me saying, well, no, it's not this, it's not that. I have to say it as I see it. And what I see at the moment, I don't particularly like. You know, simple as that. I'd be lying to everybody if I just said, oh, yeah, it'll come good, it's going to be okay. At the moment, it doesn't look like it's going to come good and it's going to be okay. And that is so... Oh, it's soul-destroying at times because you're desperate for Chris to do well and the club to do well, but it's not going to happen the way things are going at the moment. Hmm. Is it worse than the latter days of Lamucci, Greg? I was I was supportive yeah. of Lamucci going. Does this feel worse at present? Though? Definitely, definitely. There doesn't even seem to be a split in the fan base. I I haven't seen like a single tweet or spoke to a single person that said just give him time now, because we haven't got time. You know the gap. We talk about Premier League and stuff. The gap gets bigger and bigger each year. It gets harder and harder. But we just always assume, oh, one day we'll get there. We've been in the Championship longer than any other club currently in the championship. We've currently got more chance of going into League One. And then it gets, you know, it gets so much harder. You look at Notts County now. 
they're in the National League. I speak to one of their fans, they're only allowed to play like one foreign player each week. They've actually got the resources to be able to have a stronger squad and you're not allowed. And I feel like it's getting similar with the gap of the Premier League and the Championship. These yo-yo clubs just keep going up and down, getting more and more money or that you become like Brentford and they'll end up staying in the Premier League. I'm convinced of it because they, they ran so well, they ran so consistently. You know, we've been a bit of a car crash for years and we're just waiting for it to click. And you hope Dane Murphy's that guy that can like glue it all together. And I think it was a superb addition. Um, but will he be given the chance to do that? Has he actually got the power to do that? Uh, and has he got the time? Because at the minute we're, we're in deep danger of going the other way. Mm. Mm. Bit um, doom and gloom. God. <laughs> well, let's change tack and see if we can find any positivity <laughs> and talk about Derby at the weekend then. Um, I'll start with James Garner because he's come back in and, you know, he's been, you know, he's got to turn water into wine for the fans by the sound of it, that he's got to change everything. I suppose the theory would be that he's so good on the ball, he can pass it forwards and break lines, and get Forrest up the pitch 10 or 15 yards and make Ryan Yates better again or whoever plays alongside him. We'll talk about Yates in a minute. Um, how much can you pin on one player, Gary? Can can Garner make that much difference for Forrest? Well, we saw the impression he made when he was here before. You know, he was our one shining light. But that was when we were in a better position than we are now. You know, we're bottom of the table. We've got no points. And all of a sudden, he's the one person who's come in and people are saying, right, well, we've got Garner. You know, things might improve. It's going to be OK. That is a hell of a lot. Is he still 20? Yeah, he's still 20 years of age. You know, he's still a youngster. He's been sent out to learn his trade, which is brilliant. And he he shows that he can learn. He's a quick learner. He's a very talented player, but he can't do it all himself. You know, I think we've just got to be so more proactive in that final third. It's ridiculous. Mm. And I just like I've said this time and time again. I just feel so sorry for a striker at the moment because we're not giving them anything to feed off. They're not getting anything to have a shot on target or off, off target. And if it is, it's, it's coming, you know, at impossible angles or they're not clear-cut chances. That has got to change because if it doesn't change, we ain't going anywhere. We are going to be mm. stuck in that bottom three. You know, it, Derby is the perfect opportunity to change things, to make things happen. Because I, I guarantee Derby will be, you know, happy with the point now, you know, from the game. And I'm sure maybe we will. I'd be delighted with the point just to get us off the mark, you know, just to get rid of all the doom and gloom with, you know, seeing Neil Poir at the bottom of uh, the table because that's not we, what we expected to see. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Um, but it has to change around the final third. We're getting very little. It's predictable. The opposition work on things like that. They know how we're going to play. And it becomes, you know, it becomes easy for them. And we don't want to be an easy touch. And at the moment, I think we're an easy touch to beat. Um, how would you like to see Forrest go about it, Greg? And how do you think they'll go about it on Saturday? I'm dreading that minute the team sheet comes out because, you know, every time it's just, oh, no. not. And then the fans are putting that, you know, that mindset straight away of negativity. Garner has to start purely because we're pinning a lot of hopes on him and, you know, it's that bit of positivity we need. Uh, you know, Taylor and Graben, surprise Derby. Carvalho, maybe, I don't know. But I just think, like, 
Rooney and his team will be looking at as our squad and they'd have watched all of our games so far and said, right, this is how Forest play. This is what we're going to do. Uh, we should just try and shock them a little bit. But I, obviously, I'm not no manager and Chris Hewton knows a hell of a lot more than me. But he doesn't win that game on Saturday. He loses his job. I'm convinced of that. I can't see any other way around it. You know, we've had it where managers have gone and won at Derby and still lost their job. But he has to show that there's something in this squad that we're currently not seeing. And it has to be on Saturday. Like, time's out for him now. Mm-hmm. I suppose they have to, well, they don't have to. I'd like them to play two up front, Gary, or like Greg says, get someone closer to grabbing and get higher up the pitch. But do you think, do you think Chris is so set in his ways that we're just going to see 4-2-3-1 turn into 4-5-1 without the ball again? It wouldn't surprise me in the least. You know, that's, that's Chris's system. It's been that way for quite a while. But like Greg said, why don't we try and surprise Derby a little bit and just go a little bit different, go a little bit more positive, you know, play a a false nine a little bit, you know, get Cavallio in there. Let's have, you know, two or three threats instead of maybe, you know, the one lone striker. You know, Garner we know can make things happen and he can make it happen for maybe two or three up front who are joining in. I'm not saying play three up front because, you know, that's crazy. A little bit, but you can surprise oppositions by changing things up and being a little bit more fluid about the way you go about things, you know, because you have the players within that squad who can do that, who can yeah. cause problems. I think the predictability of things is we, we the, the opposition know what's going to happen with our, you know, front line. There's no surprise element at the moment, there's nothing out there that they're afraid of defending against us and that, that's got to be a concern whether that changes with Garner coming in I think it might but it's got to be you know more proactive in front of him so it gives him the opportunity to be able to pull his strings and, and make things happen you know for Forrest going forward Yeah I remember when 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 Chelsea won the league under Conte and they started playing they were playing four at the back and they were pretty terrible and they went to three at the back and they won the title so it can, you know, just make a change, I, I think. But anyway, um, so Garner starts, obviously. Who, Greg, starts alongside him? You've got Cafu, Colback, Fauna and Yates. Uh, let's assume it's four two three one. Who are you starting alongside Garner? Um, I, th- I think it'll be Yates. And I, I'm not into kicking Yates. I'm not. I, he, he does that job that, you know, he needs. we need that player to do. He sweeps up after a lot of things. But he hasn't had a great start to the season. Uh, Fornar was really good against Bradford. I'd love to see him play a lot more, but throwing him in against Derby, that is, that's a, a big risk. Um, I just, I don't know. That's the thing. I'm sat here saying, oh, this is what we should do, but I don't actually know. And I think Yates does start and that'll be the thing that gets the fans going, I think. But as long as we've got some attacking players around him. What about Zinkenegel? As a... Uh, what a slightly more advanced central midfielder and yeah. Garner sits. Yeah, I think Zinkenegel wants to play out wide, but why not play Brennan Johnson as a number eight? Yeah, if he's here, if he's here, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, I think it'll be Yates, and um, like you say, Greg, Colback, you can be Yates and Colback and Garner in front of them. I think it'll be Yates and Colback, and Garner is a slightly more advanced. I don't want that, but I think it will be that. Mm. 
Colback worries me. His yellow cards. He, it's it's just rash, isn't it? It's like panic mode. And he is. There's a good player in there, but they'll target him to get sending off. You know, <laughs> he does worry me in games like that. Yeah, I think he wants to do what Yates does. And I, I mean, I'd have Yates as just like the water carrier, as they say. You know, win the ball and pass it to someone who can pass it forwards. I don't mind if Yates passes it. If his first instinct is to look out wide to a fullback or to Garner, then I think that's fine. I think the the criticism of Yates has just gone way over the top. He's he, he's not that bad a player. And with the right player along, I think Garner may, will make him better. I think Holbach's made him worse. I'm not going to say that Ryan Yates has had, has had a good season because he's not. He's been, you know, he's been bad, as bad as anyone else, really. But I don't, I think... The Forest fans just seem to focus on these one or two players. I mean, I can understand focusing on Bonk because I don't think he's been good enough at all. But I think this transfiction with Yates, I think, is a bit too over the top, personally. I think he's actually, there's a good player in there. And I'm hoping Garner makes him better. But I do think, like you say, Greg, Tyrese Fauna looks much more of the future to me. I think he needs an opportunity in the longer term. But maybe a derby game isn't really um, quite right for him. Um, who would you start in goal, Gary? I don't know how much you've seen of Horvath, uh, Ethan Horvath. I thought he did very well yesterday and he conceded four. Is it too much to make a change or not? Um, again, local derby time. Uh, do you throw him in there? Not used to it. Um, I think it'd be a little bit harsh on Samba because he has been one of the best goalkeepers in the division. Goalkeepers do make mistakes and they make mistakes because they're under pressure because... Defenders are, are sitting back, um, you know, they're getting his way. It's, 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 it's a difficult one for me because he has saved Forrest so many uh, points, I think, in the last couple of seasons. And it's because the constant pressure is on him all the time that he's expected to save again and again and again. And it comes a time where you're going to make mistakes because you're under that much pressure. You know, a lot of teams don't get that, the pressure that Forrest do because, you know, we all know that we sit back and, you know, if we go in front, but then obviously the ball keeps getting bombed in the box. He thinks he's got to come and take the pressure off the defenders and he's going to drop one or two because he'll get knocked off balance. So I, I would keep Sambering golf for the Derby game and then take it from there. What about you, Greg? It doesn't either or to me. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think the goalkeeper has been the, the issue this this uh, the start of this season. Mistakes have been made, like you say, because he's been put under pressure. And you know, when you've got that much traffic going one way, then it's going to be easy to say, "Oh, the goalkeeper should have had that." Uh, I have no issue with Samba. He doesn't concern me at all. But it, it's that rare occasion where we've got you know two decent goalkeepers. Uh, I'd love to have two decent attackers or two decent, you know, attacking midfields ready to go in that option. But whichever goalkeeper's in on Saturday for me, I'm not going to be uh, concerned about. I wouldn't be averse to Horvath playing. And similarly, I wouldn't be bothered if, if Samba stays in goal. If he can score us a couple of goals, I'll put, you know, which one, yeah, get him in. Well, Alisson scored for Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah, get him up for corners. Um, yeah, I, I think Sarah wrote a piece about Horvath saying how... Um, with an American football expert, how he's played in the Champions League and done very well and won when he was playing for Bruges and he did very well for America in the, the Gold Cup final against Mexico. He's someone who excels in big games, which makes me think he could come in and do well. So I wouldn't be averse to that. But like you say, Greg, I don't think Samba's the, the biggest problem at the moment. Um, mm. The other player I was going to ask about is Finn Back. 
he's 18 years old and he's played a lot of football recently, but he's done really well and looks really good yesterday. Who would be your fullbacks, Greg? Because Bong, Bong's available again, I think, and Gabriel's available again, and Jaden Richardson uh, did quite well yesterday. And fullbacks, like I was saying earlier, I think they're really important. Who, who would you like to see start at the back there? Finn back, absolutely. He has more than warranted his place. He's, he's been really good. You know, that first Bradford game, loved seeing him. Stoke, he was one of the ones that you really wanted to clap off the pitch at the end. And already, he sounds like he's got that seasoned pro head on him. You know, you hear he's giving other players advice and he's trying to push the ball up. So him, for sure. But then, you know, the other side, it's, again, do you have lack of experience? Or Bong was terrible against Stoke. He really was. But I think it will be him. Um you know, just he had the ball, simple pass, and he just kicked it out for a throw. It was infuriating. You just think, think about it. You know, um, yeah, Finn back definitely. I'm not sure about the other side. I know you've been critical of Bong periodically, Gary. When it comes to playing kids, are you of a you know, if you're old enough, you're good enough, or is it a bit uh, yeah, cruel to you're keep? Old enough, you're good enough, yeah. Hansen said, Alan Hansen, the great Alan Hansen said, you know, we're nothing with kids, but some kids are a little bit higher than other kids. And uh, he, he does sound like he's on that level. So why protect him? Get him out there. You know, if he's got that confidence, I love the fact that you've just said he gives other people advice. He talks to other people. And that's how important Worrell is in the side because he's a talker. He'll organise. He's not afraid to be seen to be gesticulating and giving people stick and saying, you know, you've done that wrong or whatever. You can see his frustrations out there. And I've got no problem at all playing an 18-year-old lad. You know, some mature quicker than others. You know, not every kid or footballer matures at the same time. You know, I was a late developer. And, um, you know, it's what it is. Get him in there. If he's got the ability and he's got the confidence, he could just be the surprise element against Derby. On the other side, I just can't see anything in Bond that impresses me at all. What does it... You know, I watch what happens when the full-backs are on the ball and they look up front and what do they see? One striker, one person they've got to try and hit or a midfield player coming towards them who's tightly marked, who if he gives it to them might get dispossessed and then you're under pressure again as a defence. So what do you do? Do you play the long ball, get dispossessed yourself, play it into the midfield player who's under pressure as well, facing the wrong way? You know, that's the dilemma because you're only playing that one isolated man up front. Your li- your your options and your choices are so limited, it's ridiculous. And you'll get stick because you'll overhit one. You will put one out of play because you haven't got any other options. So either that or going backwards against the goalkeeper, across, and you know. So I have a little bit of sympathy, but he he, he does have to offer more, you know, going forward. I think Gabriel on the other side, he you know he he offered more going forward, um, but you have to play who you think your best two fullbacks are. Simple as your best two players in those positions, and you know you have to do that in every position. Um, we've got about 10 minutes or so left because Gary's got to go to have a tooth out. So we'll probably move on to oh, our... Oh, <laughs> it might be less painful than watching Forest recently. <laughs> um, 
Let's move on to some pre- You don't like giving predictions, do you guys? So I'll let you give a hope at least. Greg, what's your prediction for what's actually going to happen at that derby? Um, well, we're going to win, aren't we? <laughs> it's the, you know, all the hope's gone. This was the, this was the game when the season came out. Like Everyone's got zero points on the board. I can't wait to go to Derby and hammer them. It's going to be 4-5-0. And they've started very well to say what, you know, the condition their whole entire club's in. But I think, you know, we're hopefully going to show something and we're going to get the win and it'll kickstart our season. Um, I don't know, scrape a 1-0. That would be my hope. What do you think, Gary? How is it going to... I know how you hope it's going to pan out. What are you thinking is going to happen then on Saturday? I, I would take a draw now just to get off the mark. You know, I'd love to see us beat them as always. But a point would suit me down to the ground because we need to get that zero points off the board. You know, once you've got a point on the board, you know, you can start looking up a bit. But the longer you keep on naught, the difficult, more difficult it becomes and the more depressing it becomes and the confidence levels go down throughout the, the club, uh, the players, the squad. So never as a local derby for many a year been as important as this one. Um, what difference does fans make, Greg? Is it even the way Forest are going, and the, you know the the fans are like you say toxic? Is it actually a negative to have fans there? Yeah, on at the minute it is. We spoke all pre-season about how we've really missed the fans, and as a club, we missed the fans last year. But we ain't helping at the minute. We're really not. Stoke was horrible that second half, and you know we're, we're booing the team off at nil nil at home. Uh, that just like I just didn't get it. It's a young team. I know we're not booing the team, we're booing the way that the, the, you know, they're set up. I know it's booing the manager and the frustration in that, but I just think for Saturday, and no matter what I, what I say, it's not going to make a difference. No matter what that team selection is, you've just got to get behind them and make that corner just such a good atmosphere. Get behind them straight away and keep behind them. If it's not going well at the end of the first half, you know, clap them off the pitch, give them some confidence, get the shoulders high. Uh, it does frustrate me and that that's why you know fans are falling out and it is toxic in the stands but we're back after a long time and we have got to do our job and you know just make it that it's hard it really is but make it that good atmosphere and the thing is greg the, the thing that strikes me you you're trying to blame lack of fans not you yeah. uh, people are trying to blame blame the lack of fans for last season for there being no atmosphere and now they're trying to blame the crowd for being there, for putting pressure on. What do you want? You know, what do yeah. you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forest, no, fans, true. Forest fans are absolutely unbelievable. They're one of the best supporters in that league, without a doubt. Home and away, we say it all the time. And we don't say it, you know, for effect. It's because it's true. You know, the home crowd, it's hostile. Uh, it's a great atmosphere to be involved in. Away from home, they fill every every stadium, you know, with a ticket allocation. And, you know, that should lift you. Crowds should mm. lift you. It, you know, people say, oh, it's really difficult to play in front of no fans. OK, we accept that. Now you've got to play in front of fans because you want to play in front of fans. So then you, you can't blame one or the other. You have to go out and do the business. Simple as that. If you don't, you're just going to keep sliding and sliding. And it's, we're lucky because it's early in the season. that You know, we're not adrift at the moment. We look adrift, but we've only had, you know, a handful of games. So... There is still possibilities to get it right and get us out. But if we lose on Saturday, then we just don't know what the future holds. 
I don't know how many times you were booed off during your playing career, Gary. You were generally in successful teams. I mean, what what impact would it have had if you were booed off at half time at nil nil? Um, I wasn't even booed off at Man United, funnily enough. Uh, a lot of people might have thought that. But they must be very understanding fans. Yeah, because they, yeah, because they saw I was I was trying my watsits off. You know, I wasn't hiding from anything. I was trying everything I possibly could to put things right to help others out, and I never shirked anything. I just couldn't score. Um, and that's what you have to do when things aren't going against you. You have to put 100% in, and maybe the fans are saying something that they're not happy with, that you know maybe they don't think some players are giving that. I don't know. I've not seen enough of the games to, to be able to comment on that. But you know, fans normally are very astute. They, you know, they don't boo for the sake of it. Yes, yeah. you boo because you've got no points. And I, you, I think you're right, Greg. It doesn't reflect on the players. It might do on some... Mm. Um, but it's the you know the the way it's happening, the way mm. we're losing that's mm. causing the problems, causing the frustration. And they pay good money to watch football. Uh, this you know, that um, opinion. This that video that went round on Twitter after uh, Stoke. I'm not sure whether you've seen it, Gary. Where I don't do you that. know. I've got no yeah, the, the all the um, all the coaching staff walked off, and you have to walk towards the yeah boos and boos rang out and then once they'd left the pitch and the players walked off it was you know clapping them off and cheering them and it you know that was clear what the fans were saying then it's not you guys on the pitch but you know it needs to be sorted what's going off on on it with the coaching uh but no i'm not i'm not being negative towards us the fans i'm just saying that i really hope you know maybe they give us something in the first five minutes that sets it off and sets that you know positive attitude going and and that's what we need that corner can make a hell of a lot of noise and we're ready to as well we're ready for that first first win so just hopefully Saturday will be the one it has to be you touched upon it a little bit earlier I think the team sheet is so important on Saturday I think because if they see they what they think is a negative team sheet the disc you know disgruntlement will be there before a ball's kicked you know they want to see a positive approach, and if they see a negative sort of setup, you know there'll be moans and groans before a ball's even kicked. So that's going to be interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just to finish, then, if Forest fail to win, even a draw, Greg, do you think that kind of regrettably, in a sense, has to be the end for the manager, and they have to make a change? Even if they haven't got anyone lined up, and you have to put Gary Brazilian caretaker charge again, do you think a change is just inevitable now if they don't beat Derby? Yeah, is it is it uh, the international break after dark? Yes, yeah, this is the last yeah, game so before it, the break. It's the obvious time to do it. I mean, it has to be that that will be it. And I hope we're not talking to about a new manager the next time because it means we beat Derby and we kickstart the season. But if it doesn't go well on Saturday, I see no other option unless you know financially we can't be doing that. Yeah, you just don't know. None of us know the situation at the club at the minute. Not a clue. But I'd hope to think. Dane Murphy, he did it at Barnsley and, it, you know, he might get this younger manager in, God knows who. There's some really good names out there, but if he's got control of our club at the minute and he gets his guy in and we can start building, maybe not for this season, but get safe this season and then go next season, it, it could be the start. You talk about Barnsley, I watched them the other day and I thought, crikey, how good are these? Mm. You know, oh, the in the first they, half, yeah, they were really good. They played, yeah, they threw it away a little bit, but my word, Everything was cohesive. It was there were support up front. There were you know m- major options in the box. They were causing all sorts of problems, and I thought, oh, they're in red. I wish that was us. 
um, mm. because you just don't see that from us. You know, it was vibrant. It was great to watch. You know, was, there was a lot of invention in that final third around that 18-yard box. And it lifted you watching football like that. And then you think, well, this is Barnsley. You know, this is, you have to say little Barnsley, really, because compared with Forest, they are, you know, a small mm. club. Mm. And, you know, that's frustrating for everybody as well when they can see, you know, a team like Barnsley or Coventry do what they do. And Luton as well in that, in, in that group. Right, uh, I think we shall leave it there. Thanks to everyone who's listened and watched along and we'll be back on Monday to review the game, if not sooner, depending on what happens. Gary, thank you very much for doing this before you go, not under the knife, but you know, you have the tooth out. Good luck with that. (laughs) I've been under the knife last week. I'm having soup later. (laughs) And Greg, uh, thank you for getting out of bed after working nights and just injecting coffee straight into your veins. (laughs) Oh, what a fine man. (laughs) Yeah, that's all right. So good thanks for you. Uh, good as ever. Even yeah, I mean yeah, even though it's been you know miserable, it's been enjoyable, and in, I hope people find it interesting. So we'll leave it there, and we shall catch up with everyone uh, on Monday. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.